Hey guys, Anna Taylor of Anna Taylor Radio here. Would you like to know where to find me or listen to my podcast? It's easy. Just go to anchor.fm slash Anna Taylor Radio now. You can listen on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or even Google Podcasts. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram at Anna Taylor Radio or on TikTok, Anna Taylor Radio Now. On YouTube, you can watch my videos at Anna Taylor Radio Channel. And if you have any questions, comments, concerns, or would be interested in being a guest on my show, please email me at Anna Taylor Radio at gmail.com. Hey guys, this is Anna Taylor of Anna Taylor Radio. I appreciate you coming back again and again, hopefully and again, <laughs> to listen to this new episode. Um, it's Parental Alienation, The Erased Parent, and How to Cope. Um, basically, what I'm going to be going over in this episode is I'm going to first share my story. Um, I'm going to share what parental alienation is, uh, who does it affect, how does it happen, the damage it causes, is it illegal, what can I do about it, and also ways to cope with it because it's very dangerous, evil, malicious, and damaging to both parent, the targeted parent, or what's called the targeted parent, and child or children, okay? So that's basically what we're going to talk about in this episode. Um, Millions, I mean millions of parents, and it's this is moms and dads. This isn't just females. This is males, moms and dads worldwide who are being affected by this and alienated by the other parent. Or it could be in a setting like with me, you know, with a family or other family members, or um, even with CPS. If the kids in foster care, they can alienate the child as well. Or let's say you have an adoption setting where you place the child for adoption. I've done that. I have experience with that too. You know, and the adoptive parents will whatever. A reason out of jealousy or spite or whatever will alienate the child from the birth mother and fear that the child may bond more uh, with the birth mother than with the adoptive mother. So that's basically what this episode is about. Let's get into this. Here we go. Hello, hello. Welcome to another new episode of Anna Taylor Radio. I'm Anna Taylor, and this episode is going to be about parental alienation, the erased parent, and pretty much what to do about it and how to cope. Um, First off, I'm going to start off with my personal story because I've personally been affected by this. I have personal hand on, you know, one on hand experience and it's horrible. Um, It's, it's very painful process. Uh, Very, you feel empty and there's all kinds of emotions and feelings that go along with alienation. It's very damaging to not only the parent or targeted parent, but the child. So first off, I have actually two experiences with parental alienation. Um, The first one is... uh, Uh, I have three children. I have a 19-year-old daughter, and then I have a 10-year-old daughter and an 8-year-old son. Well, my 10-year-old and 8-year-old are from a different father than my oldest, that's 19-year-old. My 19-year-old was actually adopted. Um, I went through, first of all, I'm from Florida, and I left out of state and ended up in the state of Virginia and went through a Jerry Falwell ministry. Uh, If anybody knows who Jerry Falwell is, just Google and look him up. Jerry Falwell Sr., by the way, not junior. (laughs) And uh, he started a ministry in Lynchburg, Virginia. It's a home for unwed mothers who are pregnant and um, they help you. They give you classes. First of all, they house you, they feed you, they take care of all your needs while you're there. Give you classes about parenting, give you classes about adoption. Um, They, you also get to sit in on uh, when adoptions uh, ceremonies take place, you know, the actual placement days where it's kind of like ceremonial and that's the day or ceremony when um, the baby that 
that has been placed for adoption goes into the arms of the adopted parent. And uh, basically, uh, I got pregnant with my daughter and I left Florida, went into the Liberty God Parent Home in uh, September of 2002. I had my daughter in February of 2003 and she was adopted uh, or placed, her placement ceremony was three months later in April, April 16th of 2003. Now, when, when the placement took place, I remember her adopted mother, I'm not going to mention names, but her adopted mother was like, we're family now, right? And that meant the world to me because I really didn't have much family. My family didn't support me in placing her for adoption. Um, They would not, you know, they didn't open their homes or anything. They kind of rejected me and said, you know, we can't take you in with a baby and blah, 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 figure it out. And then after the fact, after I placed her for adoption, my family is like, well, why'd you, why'd you give your baby away? You know, well, because you wouldn't freaking help me, you know, like I didn't have any help. I I didn't have any support, you know, and I didn't want to have to go into a homeless shelter and put her on welfare or none of that, you know. I wanted what was best for her and, you know, and that's the decision I chose was for it to be an open adoption. I thought that was the best option then and I, then, at that point, did not regret my decision. I loved her adopted parents and they kept in touch, um, you know, for the first couple of years sending me pictures, notes and things of her growing and things that she was doing and learning and milestones and things like that but then as years went on it kind of tapered off and I stopped getting pictures and notes and letters and, and milestones and anything about her and then um, I was also seeing her periodically uh, they were letting me you know they'd meet up with me or bring her into my work or you know stuff like that for me to see her and then it just kind of stopped and every time I would contact them and, and this started going on for years over a decade even um, you know I'm like you know the the adoptive uh, program or the agency would yearly put on an adoption get-together for open adoptions where adoptive parents, the children, and the birth parent could come. And sometimes we'd go to the ice rink and skate. Sometimes we had pizza parties. Sometimes we'd do little whatever get-together so we could all get together and also be with other people like us, you know, other adoptees and, and adoption parents and birth parents, things like that. So it was like a support. But they stopped coming and started excuses and it was basically I started getting we're busy we're busy we're busy we're busy and then as my daughter grew older she's busy she's got a ton of homework she's overwhelmed with this she's got extracurricular activities she's busy with volleyball she's da 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 and it's just excuse after excuse and me being the gullible person that I am trusting them thinking there's no way you know I the last thought in my head would be that they would keep her from me I didn't even know what parental alienation was or that it even existed and um it's just like it just the contact just stopped over the years. Um, I, I, they wouldn't message me back. They wouldn't write me back or nothing. And, um, and then at some point along this time, I, uh, actually got into an abusive relationship, which, uh, we were together for seven years and eventually, uh, later on in our relationship had two children. So I have three children all together. I have a 19 year old, a 10 year old, a 19 year old daughter, a 10 year old daughter and an eight year old son. And my eight, my 10 year old daughter and eight year old son is by this, uh, past abusive relationship this is actually a deadbeat dad but anyway um you know uh, through domestic violence which I didn't even know 
existed either. Um, uh, but it was like, I, I didn't know what a healthy relationship was, so I didn't leave. You know, I just thought I deserved it. He had me, you know, mentally abused and believing that it was all my fault. And, you know, with him beating me up, I caused it, all kinds of stuff. And he isolated me, right? So for a course of over a few years, I kind of, you know, they stopped contact, so I stopped contact. But it doesn't mean I ever forgot about her. I thought about, I think about her every single freaking day, like every day, you know? She's my baby. She's my firstborn. And um, I was just hoping that, you know, someday I can find her again or she would find me. And I remember her adopted mother, which many times this happens, uh, you know, it's mainly adopted mothers who are in fear of the uh, adoptee creating or bonding more with the birth mother than the adoptive mother. So what they'll do is they'll end up alienating the child, even if it's an open adoption. They'll alienate the child from the, the birth mom. Um, and this happens all the time, okay? And is what happened to us. So she wrote me a message one time. She says, you know, when when she, I can't say her name, I'm not going to say my daughter's name, but when, when she decides to contact you, she will. Which I understood that and I respected it. Understandable, right? Well, fast forward. At age 16, she was online and my daughter found me. And we were talking every day, even late into the night, sharing all kinds of stuff. And, you know, I was able to tell her things that I always wanted to tell her. And I showered her with love and how much I missed her. And, you know, why I placed her for adoption. And I apologized for anything, you know, if I've hurt her or made her feel abandoned or anything like that. You know, I tried to instill that she was loved and wanted and it wasn't that I just wanted to get rid of my kid or didn't want her. That's not the case at all, okay? I just didn't have the help or support that I needed, you know, and I thought at the time, you know, that's what was best for her was adoption. So anyway, um, while we're talking, you know, we're talking for like months and uh, not thinking anything of it, I asked her, I'm like, does your mom and dad know we're talking? She says no. And I'm like, well, you know, go ahead and tell them that we're talking. Tell them I said hi and I love them and everything. Not thinking anything of it, like it's anything wrong and she's like okay I will well the very next day I was blocked on everything that she was on all social media that she was contacting me on I was blocked and I'm like what the you know and I'm like this this can't be there's no way and I mean we were saying I love you to each other she's calling me mom I mean everything it's like how can this child just all of a sudden just block me out of her life like that you know what I mean it just makes no sense so I just had a feeling I'm like it's her adopted mother that's doing this you know and I, I knew it wasn't her so fast forward about a year later she uh was back online she actually created a secret account and she contacted me again lo and behold it turns out she explained to me she said no that was my mom or adoptive mom that had blocked you and um and let's back let me go backwards real quick when she blocked me I had to send a message through my daughter's adopted brother and I said look send this to your mother you know because I need this message to go to her basically asking why did she block me what what happened you know and I was like is there a problem or what's going on and then she responded to me in all cap letters like she's yelling she's like I told you so and so you know my daughter would uh, contact you and she wants to contact you and da, 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 and don't uh, overstep her boundary she's too nice and kind of a person she's she did she's non-confrontational and she uh, feels bad uh, because she doesn't want to hurt your feelings I'm like whatever I didn't believe it so again fast forward so I got you know got the messages to her she sent a message back and then uh, my daughter had contacted contacted me later on about a year later and told me that when she had you know I told her to tell her parents and when she did she got 
punished. They pun well, actually, her adopted mother punished her, punished her for talking, contacting me, and con and talking to me. Can you believe that? It's so absurd, right? And she said that it was her that blocked me, and I was like, I figured, but it just made me livid. I was so angry and disappointed and shocked that anyone in their right mind, which obviously, obviously, she's not, you know, to to punish a child for contacting and talking to their own mother, their birth mother, you know, it, it just blew my mind. And uh, turns out that I don't know if she's bipolar or what, but they, for the past, you know, since I guess she was 14 or 15 years old, now she's 19, uh, her and her adoptive mother doesn't get along. She said that her adoptive mother oftentimes yells and screams at her over the dumbest crap. Um, I understand teenagers can be frustrating, but she said she would literally scream at her, which is like verbal abuse, you know? And then she would take her things, her stuff in her room, and would toss and throw everything all around and make a huge mess. She would make her, my daughter, clean it up. You know, like, she'd make a mess and be like, you clean it up. You know, like, who does that, you know? So by that point, I got so angry and disappointed that I literally, I, I just, at that moment, decided that I totally regret my adoption, you know? I'm like, F this, you know, I I can't believe this, you know? I, I For years, I loved them and talked, spoke highly of them. Like, they were great people, and, um, you know, I didn't regret my decision. I was pro-adoption. But then, you know, after this, I started researching and, and looking up psychological reports and, and articles about, the, uh, you know, like, the effects of adoption on a birth mother and a child. Turns out, you should never, a child, a baby especially, should never, ever, 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 biologically, physically, or any, be detached or separated from their birth mother. Unless the birth mother dies, or the birth mother is a literal piece of, you know what, and it's just, tra you know, there are some people out there who are just shit parents, okay? They don't really care about their kids or love their kids. There are parents out there. But it's a small few compared to the majority of parents, mothers, and fathers that actually love their children, okay? And I am one, I love my kids to death literally like I would take a bullet a million times plus some for my children okay that's just how I am and um I don't know I just I I it's not that I'm not pro-adoption anymore um I am a liberal that is pro-life however um you know I'm not I don't shove my beliefs or anything down anybody's throat so anybody listening to this that's pro-choice don't hate me for being pro-life you know I'm not at your throat you don't be at my throat okay I have my reasons scientific reasons why I choose pro-life as a liberal um however uh you know I just it, it really messed up me and my daughter's relationship. She has abandonment issues, anger issues. She was diagnosed with severe depression and now she's suicidal. The last time I seen her, she admitted that she was suicidal and it just broke my heart because I understand completely what she's going through, what's going through her head and how she feels because I suffer from d severe depression. I have BPD. I have OCD. I have ADHD. I have all these mental issues and injuries. I even have brain injury, you know, and I understand depression. I'm a 13 time suicide survivor. I've attempted 13 times and no I won't attempt it again and I know this is not funny but it is dark humor but I won't try it again because I obviously suck at it. There's obviously I still have purpose for this world so I don't know what that is but you know in the pursuit of happiness as Thomas Jefferson says. So that's my first story of parental alienation. My second story is I have two children ages now 10 and 8 and um, I had left uh, their father uh, after 7 years it was a very 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 abusive domestic violence re abusive relationship 
I left with nothing. My son was a newborn. My daughter was one years old. I literally had nothing but the shirts and, you know, clothes on our back. Maybe a diaper or two. That's it. And um, we were completely homeless. We went through called the homelessness process, which I actually just made an episode and dropped that on my podcast. Go listen to that if you want to know what the homelessness process is or if you're dealing with it or about to deal with it. But um, yeah, we went to an emergency shelter, me, my newborn son and my one-year-old daughter, and I was still breastfeeding both children at the time. It was a very, very hard struggle, but we got through it. We, you know, were on emergency shelter, walked the streets during the day, was at the shelter at night, and finally got into transitional housing here locally, and then finally found permanent housing and got in our apartment. Um, Yes, at that time, it was a struggle. I was trying to co-parent with this narcissistic piece of S. You know, he he won't co-parent with crap. He's been diagnosed officially professionally by a psychologist with all categories of narcissism. He's also been diagnosed as a sociopath and a psychopath. This dude's dangerous as hell, okay? He's dangerous for me and he's dangerous for my children. And um, I won't go into our whole relationship, but however, you know, custody battle after custody battle and da-da-da-da, he kept taking me to court, you know, abuse by proxy, using the court system to abuse me. This is after I left him. This is post-abuse. He was stalking me. He assaulted me with a shotgun twice. He would manipulate my kids to getting information out of them about me, what I'm doing in my private life. All kinds of stuff. Hack my phone. I mean, all kinds of things he's done. Anything and everything you can think of he's done. Uh, whether we were together and, or post-abuse, you know, after I left. It was 11 years total. So, um, basically in 2017, I suffered a severe nervous breakdown. Not gonna go into what triggered it or why, but I had a severe nervous breakdown. It completely wrecked my life. I was going to school. I was working at the school on campus in public relations. It took me out of school. It took me out of work and took me out of parenting because I needed help with my children why I went through this complete mental breakdown. Okay, I even had to go into the mental hospital for a while. And um, I stupidly trusted this family that I thought were good people. And generally, they are a decent family. They're a huge family. They they have a lot of children, okay, uh, between them, whether it be from past relationships or together. I think they have 11 or 12 children total between them. Um, And then plus mine, which is like 14 kids in the home, all in the home at the same time, right? So, um, you know, everything was cool. They were helping me and everything. And then they turned on me and took me for child support and custody and won. Okay, they used my mental illness and nervous breakdown against me. Um, They uh, basically tried to throw the book at me and it it worked because they had a lawyer and I didn't, which that's a whole nother story with domestic violence victims and, and other victims of any kind of abuse, uh, especially, you know, dealing with child custody and stuff. If you don't have a lawyer, you're basically screwed. The other people have a lawyer, you don't, you're screwed. Um, most times. So that's pretty much what happened. Um, so between me and their, uh, deadbeat dad, they get almost $3,000 a month in child support. They've gotten the, uh, stimulus checks on them. They get extra money for taxes on them. So their reasoning really for keeping my children like this is for money purposes, which I have the last time we went to court, I was able to prove to the judge and show him their motive. Um, however, uh, we had a, um, basically set up to where I have supervised visitations and I had to find a facilitator through in, in the court order. It said either through CPS, um, through the YWCA or a therapist setting, meaning their therapist. Well, I went to CPS to see if they would facilitate. They said no, because the children are not in foster care. Then I went to their therapist and asked them if they would facilitate and they told me no because they thought that it wouldn't it needs to be a safe setting for the kids uh where it's not you know awkward it's just their space you know so their safe space whatever which I understood and I respect that but I did take offense to it because I'm not a freaking threat to my kids you know what I mean it should 
be a family setting. Like, what's so wrong with therapy with your with your parent? You know, like I never abuse them, so I'm not a threat to them. So yeah, that did that did hit me wrong, but it's whatever. I respect it. Then I went through the YWCA. They facilitate visitations. That's what they uh, market to people. Well, yes, okay. The YWCA does great things and helps a lot of people, a lot of victims of abuse. However, however, the YWCA here, okay, I paid the money to do the orientation and then I paid every time that I visit my kids which only was a handful of times you have to pay $25 each time because that goes to the facilitator that's sitting there at the desk in the room the visitation room to watch you so I paid you know all this I got all the receipts too by the way but you have to go through this orientation and this whole rigmarole and all kinds of stuff and um basically the alienation started first of all uh before this when when we were going to court and they were taking me for custody and child support CPS had gotten involved. Why? Because their crappy deadbeat father who wanted to just cause trouble and mayhem, what's freaking new, lies and false accusations. He goes to CPS and makes a report claiming, lying, saying that I was alienating him from the children, which was a total lie. No, I was not keeping my children from him. I was following the custody order and I was going to the meeting spot, but he never was showing up. And what he would do is he wouldn't show up and then he'd turn around and go to the courthouse, file a show cause against me, which he filed like 25 or 30 show causes against me claiming that I was keeping the kids from him and not following the order which was a total lie long story short I did prove in that court time that he was lying and and proved him wrong um and the judge saw that and dismissed all the show causes and had a few words with him you know like you need to stop this crap and um and basically he he was the one that was the irresponsible parent so he that's why he got CPS involved just to get me into more deep water right well as CPS gets involved of course you know they kind of look I hate CPS with a passion, but you know, generally, typically, they have to look at it at a neutral standpoint. You know, is the mom lying or is the dad lying? What's going on? They got to figure out what the hell's going on and who's telling the truth or lying here. What's going on? So, you know, to them, they want to quote unquote protect children. So, what they'll do is, um, which I'm going to be doing another episode, FYI, heads up about CPS and how you need to know your rights and and to you know be careful of their trickery because they will trick you. Um, they tricked me into doing a what's called a safety plan and signing the paperwork in the safety plan um if you ever get to that point don't ever sign the safety plan why because that is giving them legal rights to get their claws in your kids and they can do whatever they want they can put them in the system and and they can completely alienate you they can go with the, the immunity that they have with the courts okay which is bs to me okay they shouldn't have immunity with the courts meaning the court will believe cps over anybody else you know if you against cps the court's going to believe cps because they have immunity right so with their immunity and their power that they have in the court they will go and terminate the parents parental rights and by the way cps is a failure a failure system and it's an organization a greedy organization that enables child trafficking and what they do is they remove children who do not need to be removed out of homes okay and they put them into foster care they get you to sign that that safety plan then they get their claws in you legally okay and then they use their immunity through the court system to then terminate your parental rights and then they turn around and adopt the kids out for profit okay because it's money 
if you go to adopt a child even out of foster care it's not free man it's thousands of dollars and where do you think that money's going it's going to their pockets for profit okay so just keep that in mind but either way I fought to keep them out of the system you know I had temporary it was supposed to be a temporary placement with this family okay and I expressed so much so that I was like my kids are not going into that system I made it for damn sure I stood my ground with the caseworker I stood my ground with the judge I straight up looked him in the eye I said look judge I was like my kids are not going in that failure system you over my dead body and he granted me that much you know he did not put them in into the actual foster care system so going back to CPS being a facilitator they said no because my kids weren't in the foster care system I'd rather them tell me no than my kids being in the foster care system honestly but it's whatever so we move on to uh, YWCA they're like we'll do it so we go through this whole rigmarole the orientation I had to pay this and pay that pay for the visits and da 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 but you only got a handful of visits right during the first visit first of all the lady that that did the orientation I specifically asked her I said am I allowed to bring my phone am I you know in case they want to watch YouTube videos or cat videos or something with me and am I allowed to take picture or video of me and my children together she said that's fine right so moving on to the first visit I do that I take videos and pictures and things like that and I posted it to my personal Facebook page which I was friends at that time with the family that had them they go ape shit they call YWCA and they go off on them and blah 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 and then the YWCA lady calls me and she says you need to take those pictures down you know um they said they uh you're not allowed to take pictures of the kids or with the kids or anything anymore um and you you're not allowed to post pictures or anything about them on your social media page then I reminded the lady at the YWCA I said look the head lady coordinator said I could take pictures and they can't tell me what to do because it's not in the custody and basically the lady at the YWCA took their side and they then they said uh the people that have my kids were like uh you can't have lunch with them or bring any don't bring any snacks or drinks you can't buy them drinks or nothing like they were hungry when they got there they were thirsty and I'm not allowed to give them a drink or food how absurd is that you know what I mean like I can't even have a snack with my kids you know and it kind of made for a boring visit because we couldn't break bread together we couldn't have fun taking pictures together making funny faces you know I have not had a picture of my kids or with my kids now in almost five years yeah okay and they don't take pictures of my kids or even send me pictures of my kids and actually since I haven't even talked or spoken to or seen my children in three years now I don't even know what they look like now how crazy is that you know what I mean it's so messed up so you know they tried to use their power and control over me and say I can't do this and can't do that then it came to you're not allowed to talk about their sister Layla I I can't talk about their own freaking sister really and then it came to you can't talk about your sister my sister uh, which is their aunt you can't talk about their aunt you can't talk about their grandma which by the way they said to my kids that uh, their grandma was dead which they came into one of the visits upset and crying your grandma died grandma I'm like no she's not dead well they told her she died I was like they lied sheriff told me I was like they lied to you I was like they are not dead and then it's like within the visit because it's being supervised there's only some I'm not allowed to talk about court I'm not allowed to talk about family I'm not allowed to talk about nothing you know they're asking me these questions and I can't even answer their questions truthfully and honestly and genuinely because I'm not allowed to talk about this and that so it's like they keep censoring me right then it just got worse from there the YWCA for some reason they started having excuses as to why they can't facilitate or do visits or schedule visits COVID happened okay understandable but then the coordinator she was always going to funeral or on vacation or out of office or holiday or was sick with COVID or this or that something was always going out so finally finally I found out through somebody else who does their visits to YWCA that they were up and running again so I contacted them 
again, and I'm like, look, can I uh, go ahead and, and, and plan for a visit? And this was like months ahead, okay? I wanted a visit with my son on his birthday in August. She told me, no, we don't have anything available. I'm thinking, months ahead, really? And I was like, okay, well, and I backed up on the calendar. I was like, what about this time or this week or this month? No, she says, nothing further. And I'm like, is there any time at all at some point this year that I can uh, do a visit with my kids? So then she says to call her. I called her. And then that's when she told me, she said, this is the coordinator of YWCA here in Lynchburg, Virginia. She said that uh, they have dropped our case and they're, they're sending our case back to the court that they were no longer facilitate our visitations, that it is up to the custodial parents, which is the people that had, took custody of my kids. It's up to them to plan and, and set up our visitations now so they don't have to be, because this was only temporary supervision, supervised visits, okay? Because then it was supposed to go to unsupervised, right? And, um, um, and that it's up to them to facilitate, not, not facilitate, but now I have unsupervised visitations it's up to them to set it up, right? And that um, they had had a meeting with the CEO of the YWCA and their lawyer, and that's what they had come up with um, as to why they're dropping our case and so on and so forth. Well, I asked her, I was like, that letter you sent to the judge, can I have a copy of it? And I sent her my address. I haven't heard nothing back from the lady, okay? They never sent me a copy of the letter. I don't even know if the judge got a letter or what, but I have a document. I have all this documented, okay? And, um, for my, because I'm going to be going, I'm actually planning on, um, going back to, to try to regain custody. I'm going to start custody again. Um, I actually finally have a lawyer. I had to take a loan out to hire a lawyer. I got a good lawyer, um, and hopefully I'll be able to re regain custody. And secondly, hopefully I can hold them accountable for the parental alienation that they've done, like, severely. And, um, I also, uh, obtained documents or reports from doctors and things like that on my kids, which shows that my daughter was diagnosed with severe depression and it's due to lack of communication with her mother so I'll get into that later in the episode as far as um you know how to prove parental alienation is it illegal you know what do you do about it um but yeah uh, I haven't seen my babies in a long time and it's been killing me and I can't imagine how they feel you know I know that they have a slew of emotional issues problems and feelings of hurt pain angst abandonment probably you know like all kinds of stuff and it just breaks my heart because I am a good mother. Yes, I may be a single mother. Every single mother. It takes a village to raise a child, y'all. Okay? And even as a single parent, parent, there's nothing wrong with asking for help. Okay? But when you ask for help, the people that help you shouldn't be assholes and, you know, take you for what you got and try to steal your kids away. It's messed up. But the reason why they stole my kids away is because they make money off of them. So, that's my story and I'm sticking to it. And that's the first part of this uh, episode. Now, let's get into what parental alienation is if you haven't figured it out yet. It's basically... When a party, a person, or parent uh, attempts to or does interrupt, break, or completely blocks the relationship between a child and what's called the targeted parent by limiting contact or erasing the targeted parent from the child's life by manipulation, lies, and things like that, okay? Um, who does it affect? Well, it affects, most importantly, affects the child or children, okay? That's the most important thing is it does affect the child and the children, and boy, does it. And then secondly, the targeted 
parent, okay? And it could be one parent, it could be a mom, or it could be a dad, or it could be both parents. Even grandparents can be alienated. They could be affected by it, or other family members that have been alienated from the child that it can affect, or other siblings even. Like with my kid, you know, we're not allowed to talk about their older sister. I mean, come on, you know? But that's basically who it affects. Um, but most importantly, it's the child, and it's detrimental. Um, parental alienation is a severe form of child abuse. The alienator or alienators will manipulate, lie, coerce, control, and limit contact between the child and targeted parent. Um, CPS will also alienate uh, via safety plans. I mentioned that earlier. Um, that's in cases where I said, don't sign that safety plan. Know your rights. By the way, as mentioned earlier, I think I mentioned it earlier. Heads up. I'm going to have a new episode coming out about CPS and what to do about them. And I didn't know you're right. Okay. But yeah, don't sign that safety plan or else they will get their claws deep into your kid and do whatever they want to. And you could never see your children again, possibly. Um, alienating a child from a parent is extremely abusive to the child and it is des- devastating not only to the child, but to the targeted parent. For the child, it causes confusion, uh, believing misconceptions and false truths from the alienators. It robs precious time from the child with their parent. It creates hate, anger, sadness, frustration, depression, anxiety, and abandonment issues. Um, for the targeted parent who realizes or knows what's really going on or happening, they're left to grieve over a child who's basically still alive. And that hurts. See, the difference between grieving, you know, the grieving process with somebody dies and the grieving process of grieving over somebody who is alive, okay, the difference is both of it is is detrimental. It hurts. It's trauma, right? It's sadness, depression, you miss them, whatever. But there is a cycle, okay, Um, it's called the grieving process. And, you know, you go through these different steps, you know, like shock, disbelief, anger, and then come around to making peace about it, whatever, whatever. You never really get over stuff, but, you know, it's a cycle, um, and it's a process. But the thing is, with a grieving over a death, you come to a peace about things, typically, because they're dead, they're gone, move forward, move on. But with children, or alienated children, or grieving over somebody who's still alive, it's like you're grieving over and over, and the trauma never ends, because you can't make peace, because they're not dead and gone. They are alive, and, and, well, I would say well, but they're alive, and they're out there somewhere, you know what I mean? It's like, you can't get over it, you can't get past it sometimes, you can't make peace with it because they're still alive. Then you add on depression and pain and ag- uh and then even uh, suicidal ideation um, attempt or even sometimes successfully uh, people will unalive themselves because they just can't take it anymore. They can't get past this. And it's like, you know, there are people who get alienated from their kids and the kids are so brainwashed and manipulated by the manipulators. They turn into uh, this child that hates their parent, you know? And it's like, if they only knew and they're so brainwashed and they, they hate their parents and it's like, some people just can't take it. You know, they just can't live with that fact that, you know, and that their children, you know, hates them. And, and I'm in these support groups and people post all the time text messages and messages from their adult or teenage kids who they've been alienated from. And these kids will say the most hateful things to this parent. You know, I hate you. You're a manipulator. You're a liar. You're this. You're a slut. I mean, all kinds of things, you know. And that's the alienator speaking. That's not the child. That's the alienator speaking. That's what they have programmed that children think, feel, and say. And some parents just cannot live with this. I mean, really, how would you feel if you, you know, have went through this, grieved over your child that's alive for years, and you miss them so much, and you love them so much, and then they come at you with just nothing but hate, and disgust, and they're vile, and it's like, they don't want anything to do with you. It's as if you weren't heartbroken enough. I mean, Jesus Christ, it gets even worse. And some people just cannot deal with that. So, you know, they'll deal with, like I said, depression, pain,
pain, agony, agony, and even suicidal ideations, attempts, or sometimes they successfully unalive themselves. And it's sad. It's really sad. Um, and it creates hate and anger and hurt. Uh, it gives you less, lesser hope. You know, you become hopeless. Uh, you have a robbed parenthood. You know, they rob you of your parenthood, motherhood, or fatherhood. Um, it causes within both parent and child numerous mental, emotional, psychological issues, deep sadness, worry, feeling, and emptiness. In a majority of states, uh, in the United States, unfortunately, parental alienation itself is not illegal, but it should be. <laughs> it really should be. We, and, and there are coalitions and activists out there. I'm one of them. You know, we are fighting hard to make parental alienation straight up illegal. Okay. Some, some very rare, very rare because the justice system is not just, okay. It's not for victims. It doesn't help victims worth a damn. Okay. In most cases. And, but there are some jewels, diamonds in a rough judges who actually give a damn and they will recognize the parental alienation. Okay. And they will see it for what it is. And sometimes they will lock people up in, in jail who were the alienators. They will, you know, uh, punish them for it legally for doing this. Um, God bless those judges, you know what I'm saying? But either way, um, it should be legal, but it's not technically. However, however, in some cases you can use what is called tort laws, tort laws. Okay. And basically that is, it's kind of like a detour, right? You're heading somewhere you got a detour. Um, if you have evidence of the damage on the child caused by the parental alienation, then through tort laws, sometimes you can win. Meaning, so as I explained earlier, I had gathered documents and things like that from doctors and stuff. And it showed within those documents that my daughter was diagnosed with severe depression and it was due to lack of contact with her mother. Okay. Which I'm going to be showing to the, like I said, I'm going to be getting the ball rolling again to get a custody battle going. Hopefully I regain custody of my babies and, and fully. <laughs> and, um, and I'm going to be mentioning to that judge, you know, I'm going to be showing him like, look, this, this is in the paperwork. This is what the doctor diagnosed my daughter with. And this is why, because they kept me away from my child and she's hurting. Okay. She is in pain and it's caused severe depression. And God only knows, I don't even want to think that she's suicidal, you know, at just the age of 10, right? Just, uh, just, it's horrible. Um, but if you can prove through other avenues, whether it be do uh, doctor's reports and therapy notes or school records, you know, look at their grades or any notes the teacher has made, you know, maybe the child was sad today because they didn't get to talk daddy and blah, blah, whatever, you know, sometimes it leaves a paper trail. And if you can pick that paper trail up and gather those documents and piece everything together to show the judge, look, this is parental alienation. And that will help you sometimes. Um, this is why it's super important to document and record everything. Okay. Everything. Everything. Right. Um, so what do you do about it? Like I said, document and record everything first and foremost. Keep a timeline of events. Get a journal book, blank paper and a pen. Keep a timeline of events with all your documentation. Every phone call, text message, uh, Facebook message, whatever, or lack thereof. So like, you know, write down the date, time, um, and day that spoke to your child or seen your child, you know, put, I saw them in person or I talked to them on the phone or we did FaceTime, whatever. Write down the details of the, the interaction. And then, um, let's say that happened on such and such day. And then a week later, let's say you reach out and you're like, I want to talk to my daughter or my son. And they, the alienator denies you that time or whatever. Write it down. I reached out with a message to so-and-so and they said, uh, you know, quote them, quote what they said. No, we can't because we're busy or no, um, because you're, I don't like you or no, because they don't want to talk to you or no, be, whatever their stupid excuses are, write it down. So lack thereof, if they don't let you or even block you or do you don't even respond to you, write it down. They did not respond to my messages and just 
just keep a list of, of every single time you contact them, whether you see them, talk to them or not, okay? And keep track of all this. Don't like get sidetracked with it. It's very important that you have your documentation, timeline of events. Um, and then every visit you get or are rejected, make sure that you document that. Um, you do have legal rights. First of all, just to mention, not only do we have parental rights, we have constitutional parental rights, okay? It is stated in the Constitution of the United States of America that parental rights trumps every single right, every single right in the Constitution. Everything in the Constitution, parental rights is number one, okay? Now, does the courts and the law get away with stomping all over our constitutional parental rights? Sure, but it's worth a try. You gotta fight for your kids, man, you know? Like, fight. Even if you fail a million times, hopefully, eventually, you'll succeed. If not, look, you put up a good fight, at least you freaking tried. You know what I'm saying? But you do have legal rights. And with that said, those legal rights, even if you don't have visitation, even if you have supervised visitation or unsupervised visitation or whatever, okay, even if you're alienated, whatever, you have the legal rights to obtain any and all records from therapists, schools, doctors, whatever, anywhere there's a paper trail. If they go to the hospital, you have the right to those records, period. If they do not give up those records, then you can look on Google for templates, um, legal templates that are free that you just have to kind of tweak it and fill in your information and and give them a notice uh and i would mail it priority mail where they have to sign for it that way you have the proof that they signed for it that they got it and not say well i never got the memo no they got it and give them a letter stating you know i'm gonna seek legal action if i have to if i do not receive these records within this certain amount of reasonable amount of time i had reached out to you guys uh requesting my children's documentation whether it be school whether it be the hospital whether it be doctor therapist whatever and i have not heard anything back or i'm getting the run around or beating around the bush whatever whatever and i'm going to take legal action if you do not send me these records within such and such time now they don't send you the records in such and such time you necessarily don't need a lawyer um usually there's a legal aid which helps uh which our legal aid here in lynchburg virginia don't do crap they market that they help with this and help with that but they don't in person okay all they do is give you a free phone advisement with a paralegal giving you legal advice that you can take into court and self-represent yourself unfortunately it sucks you need representation for everything trust me but you can consult a lawyer in legal matters as far as you know okay they ha- you know i sent them this letter threatening legal action if they didn't send me the record they didn't send me the records now what do i do you know so you can take them to court you know and just get a, a free consultation and tell them they'll tell you what paperwork you need to file at courthouse to um take the school to court or the doctor to court or whatever to obtain these these medical documents okay because you can't sue over that because it's it's illegal for them to withhold that information from the parent. Um, so like I said, obtain documentations. Look for anything or behaviors your child has developed if it's documented um, during the alienation time period. Um, if therapists, doctors, or school neglects to give you records, uh, yes, there are legal ways to threaten them with legal action, as mentioned. Um, if they do not give them to you, uh, you, you request it in a reasonable amount of time, like I, like I said. So moving forward, how to cope. How to cope with this. Let me tell you, I haven't seen my kids in three freaking years. 
okay? Hugged them, kissed them, held them, nothing. Um, I have not seen what they look like in, in just about three years. I don't know what they look like now. They've grown. Um, I assume, you know, so they're older. Um, but some people, there's a ton of parents I know who are alienated parents who actually been alienated for long year, periods of time, for years. Even their child becomes an adult and in their adult years uh, continue to not have a relationship with their parent because they were alienated and they're manipulated and brainwashed and things like that, like I mentioned earlier. Um, so they stay away from the parent, you know, no matter how much the parent tells them they love them, nothing. They just won't have it. You know, some kids come around and some kids don't. Some kids will grow up and see the bullshit, excuse my French, but the bullshit that their alienating parent did to their targeted parent, to their good parent. You know, now they see, it's like, wait a minute, hold on. My life has been a lie. And they realize and catch on to what happened, right? And then they kind of switch sides and, you know, they'll come back to the, to the alienated parent, which is great, you know, and those are good, good times. And, and, you know, it's like finally, but, um, you know, sometimes this goes on for years and sometimes the kids never come back and sometimes they do. Um, and sometimes they're young and they come back and sometimes they don't. It's just, it just depends on the situation, but it's heartbreaking nonetheless. Okay. And it is so hard for the targeted parent to survive. And let me tell you, I, I know this firsthand because I'm dealing with depression, severe depression, anxiety, hurt, pain, anguish, grief, all kinds of emotions, as mentioned earlier that, you know, we parents get. Um, I'm angry at these people. Um, I think bad thoughts of what I wish would happen to them, honestly. I'm not gonna lie. Because I'm, I'm, I'm sick of shit people, you know what I mean? Like, people who just fake, you know, they put on a front and it's not, it's not what they really are. And it's just like, I, I hate what they've done to us and to my children, most importantly. Um, but how to cope? Well, stay or get healthy, okay? Um, life goes on and so do we, but how we do it is no mystery. Anybody remember that song or that intro to the, uh, forgot what the show was, but that's pretty much it, you know what I mean? Like, life goes on and it's like, yes, this is going to continue to be a thorn in your side. It's going to hurt. Your heart's going to stay broken, but you have to live your life, okay? Stay or get healthy as best as you can. Take care and keep up with your mental health. That is the very, very important. Get a therapist, professional help, get into support groups, you know, um, get up with other people who are going through this themselves, you know what I mean, who know what you're going through so you know you're not alone. Um, when feeling emotional, something you can do is write your kids a letter um, and and date the letters. Date them like Sunday, March, whatever, whatever the day it is, and time. And, um, you know, say what your surroundings are, what the weather's like that day. Um, say, uh, you know, I just cooked some banana bread and I remembered that you loved banana bread when you lived with me or it reminds me of you or whatever. Whatever you're feeling, whatever you're thinking, whatever emotions you have, write a letter to your kids. And hey, if you had to write a letter every freaking day, do it. So be it. You know what I mean? But when you're having those feelings to help you cope, sit down and write a letter to your kid and save them, you know, for when they come around someday or even if they don't come around and you finally get in contact, be like, look, I got these letters for you and I want you to read them. They're like, no, I don't want to read your shit. Say tough luck, kid. Use some tough love and because put your foot down because you're tired of this shit, right? And, and, and it's not the kid's fault, of course, but you know what? It's kind of like, look, kid, listen here. You know what I mean? You've been shysted. You've been manipulated. You've been lied to. Just hear me out for a freaking second, okay? Here's these letters that I wrote you, and it took my heart out. It, it, this has ripped my heart out completely. Okay, 
it, the least you could do is read my words and read the letters over the years that I have wrote and written to you when I've missed you and grieved over you. Put your foot down and tell your kids how you feel, okay? Make them listen to you, okay? Don't just keep it quiet, and, you know, uh, there's a song called Say What You Need to Say, which I think is by John Mayer. Say what you need to say, say what you need to say. And if they act like they don't want to hear it and they want to be stubborn kids, fine. Overpower what they're saying and like I said, put your foot down and be like, look kid, you're going to listen to me. I'm your parent, period. Whether you've been alienated, whether you hate me, I don't, I don't care. You are going to listen to me for once in your life. These are the letters I wrote and I want you to take them home and read them. And whether you believe it or not, you better know, you better know this came from my heart and this is the God's honest truth here and make them take the letters, okay? Seriously, put your foot down. Tough love. Um, the next thing is to keep a social life. Like I said, life goes on. Find some support. Others like you. And we're going through the same crap. Or, or find other people who aren't going, you know, whatever. But find some friends. Keep your friends around. Um, you know, go out. Even if it's by yourself. Go have a drink or something. Just sit at a bar. Even if you're by yourself. Sometimes it gets lonely, I know. But, you know, whatever. Get out of the house. Have a social life. Go play some bingo. Go play some disc golf. Go play darts or pool or go to a concert or something. You know what I mean? Have a life. Seriously. Okay? Because think about it. Think about it. If your kid was in, let's say, God bid, this happened to your child. Let's say they grow up, they get married, and they become a targeted parent, right? And get, become alienated from ki- their kids. What would your advice be to them? What would you want your child to do? You know? Y- you don't want to see them hurting and in pain, which they're going to be. But you'd want, you would tell them, live your life. Life goes on. Okay? And I know you're hurting. I know you're in pain. I know you're grieving. Okay? Your heart is broken. It, it probably always will be until they come back home. But live your life. Go out. Have a beer. Have a drink. Shoot some pool. Drink some Kool-Aid. Drink a soda. I don't care. Have a dinner. Whatever. Even if it's by yourself or even not. Whatever. Just go out and do things and get out of the house. Okay? Because it's easy to isolate yourself, especially for Um, Another way to cope, Um, basically, and, and this is the best advice I can really give, and I have to do this myself. This is what I'm currently learning how to do because you know, I'm hurting bad, just like any other alienated parent. But become the best version of yourself so that you can set an example to your kids to never give up, keep going, and by the time they finally come back, they'll come back to a healthy parent and not a damaged parent, okay? So would you rather, once your children finally come around, you want them to come around a damaged, broken, which, yeah, you had, you went through that, you were damaged, you were broken at one time, but you know what? You got yourself up, you dusted yourself off, you're resilient, you're, you use the strength you have within yourself because you're strong, okay? And, and you, like I said, do these coping skills, be the best version of yourself, get healthy, be social, get out, life goes on, move on, you know, not move on with your life, but like, you know, have a life or, you know, you don't want them to come back to a damaged, messed up parent, you know what I mean? And you'd rather them to come home to a healthy, somewhat happy and fulfilled parent, you know what I mean? And that teaches them an example that, you know, that basically don't give up, keep going. I went through all this shit with you kids waiting on you to come back to me and I managed to get healthy. I managed to keep up with my mental health. I managed to stay social. I managed to write things down and cope in a healthy way and I wanted to be the best version of myself that I could be not only even just for yourself you know we should all try to be the best versions of ourselves that we can be but you know I wanted this to to be me when you come back to me because I know once my babies come home I want to be the best version of myself I don't want to be damaged because then we're just going to continue with problems and then the cycle of toxic generational curses and crap just keeps going and going you know what I mean and I'm not teaching my kids anything through this this hardship in life you know I want them to be like wow mommy is strong mommy's resilient mommy got through and she never gave up and never gave up fighting for us and you know it just shows them how strong and and patient and and you know your willpower so you know buck up mom
mom and dad. Fight for your kids. Always fight for your kids. And no matter how many failures you have, even if you fail forever, keep fighting. At least you tried. You know what I'm saying? Don't be one of these parents that just stand idly by and not do anything, think you can't do anything. You feel weak. You feel like you're in your own corner and nobody's going to help and nobody cares. No. There's people out there that support you. You are not alone. There's other people in this boat. Okay? There are ways around things. Okay? Yeah. There's obstacles. There's injustices and things like that that you got to fight through. But there's still hope out there. Just keep the faith alive. Okay? So that's basically it for this episode. Um, I really hope that whoever's listening to this, if you're an alienated parent, just stay strong. Okay? You got this, man. You are stronger than what you think. Okay? You really are. And if anybody, if anybody in this whole planet, in this whole galaxy, in this whole universe, if anything, anybody that believes in you, I believe in you. If everybody around you is, is saying, oh, you'll never get your kids back or blah, 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 some kind of BS or whatever, don't listen to them. Listen to me. You're going to get your babies back and they're going to love you for it and they're going to forgive you. And, you know, the tides are going to turn. Karma is going to happen and don't worry. You're going to get your babies back. Believe in that. But keep fighting. Keep putting in the work in yourself and you're in, in, in fighting the alienation and coping skills, okay? So reach out. Reach out for help when you need it. There's support out there. And also, after this episode, stay tuned for some uh, public announcement for resources for help. Uh, my name is Anna Taylor, and this is Anna Taylor Radio. I talk about what most don't. This episode was called Parental Alienation, The Erased Parent, and How to Cope. I hope this helps you. Be safe out there. Are you or someone you know being abused, whether that be an elder, a child, a woman, or even a man? Are you suicidal? Know that you are not alone and there is help out there. The domestic violence hotline number is 1-800-799-7233. The suicide hotline is 1-800-273-8255. The national child abuse hotline is 1-800-422-4453. If you need more resources or support, I recommend looking up support groups on Facebook or heading over to the Project Storm Facebook page that's Project A Space and hashtag Storm and checking out Project Storm on Facebook or email projectstormemail at gmail.com. There is help. Reach out. You are not alone. This public service announcement is brought to you by Project Storm and Anna Taylor Radio. (laughs) 